This is a call to all current and aspiring entrepreneurs. How you market your business can be the difference between whether or not you succeed online. But don't worry, we're here to help with current strategies, tips, and tricks that you can apply to your online business or business idea. This is the EMJ Podcast with your host, Matt Hepburn. This is episode eight of the EMJ Podcast, and I'm your host, Matt Hepburn. Today, we're joined by Amanda Milligan, the head of marketing over at Stacker.com, and she's going to talk about earned syndication and how this form of syndication can increase your organic traffic to your website while at the same time increasing your domain authority. This is a fascinating topic and one that's not really talked about very often. So I highly suggest that you buckle up and listen to this one. Hey, Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm excited to be here. Uh, absolutely. Anytime you want to come on the show, we'd love to have you on. Awesome. So I was hoping you could tell the listeners a little bit uh, about what you do at Stacker and, and what Stacker is, just to give it a little context. Sure, yes. Um, so in general, Stacker, and that's stackermedia.com if you want to see what the entire company does, is we're a media company that is essentially a newsroom and a newswire. So kind of like those the Associated Press or Reuters, uh, we distribute content to more than 3,000 publications across North America. We're different, though, because we give the, the stories away for free. So a lot of the publishers pay to subscribe to things like Associated Press, but we give our stories away for free because we're trying to empower publishers around the world. But the context of this conversation, uh, I work on the Stacker Studio part of the business, which is our brand partnership arm. So we work with brands, we create content on their behalf, and we syndicate it through the same newswire as we do all of our other content. This is one of our main revenue streams to allow us to create so much free content for publishers. So it's a really cool model. It's very new. There's not really a lot of other people who do what we do, which makes my job interesting as head of marketing because I have to tell this new story mm -hmm. of how we're not standard syndication. We're not the typical, like we're not digital PR, but we're kind of similar to a lot of these things. So it's it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And and uh, having worked in the enterprise space for uh, seven plus years now, I've the typical syndication that I see is a business will syndicate their content on other channels that they own. And yeah. um, that's the typical syndication process. But you guys are doing something completely different. You guys had you put out a, a an an article, I believe, on Moz uh, that caught my eye. And uh, once I read through this, I'm like, uh, I said, this is absolutely amazing. Um, could you talk a little bit about the difference between paid syndication and earned syndication, and, and really just the syndication we talked about, the normal syndication that brands do? Um, what makes this so different? Yeah, that's a great point. That's part of the fun of my job because it, you're exactly right that syndication as a word has so many different meanings to different people depending on how they've used it. So like the different types. So there's like owned syndication is what I call it, which is essentially, yeah, I syndicate this, you know, and through channels I have control over. Or even if you're just republishing something on LinkedIn or on Medium or mm -hmm. through your own channels, that is still a form of syndication, right? There's also paid syndication where you're paying an external partner to distribute something that you provide to them. So I think some common versions of that are like distributing press releases, rights, or 
a lot of different companies will distribute it to their audience for lead generation purposes. And it's usually like a case study or something that's paid uh, syndication. And then we do what I call earned syndication, which is that nothing that we're doing is paid for. So it's not sponsored. And for the SEOs out there, it's not no follow links or sponsored links. It's all earned pickups. The person's running it because they want to, not because you paid them to or because you have control over it, which we can dive more into it, but I think is much more of an authority play than it is necessarily like some people who are syndicating really bottom of the funnel content or they're paying to get a press release out there are mostly looking for like brand awareness or really bottom of the funnel, like they're just paying for a very specific audience to hear about them. This is an approach that is more about building the authority of your brands, both for your potential audience, your potential clients and customers, but also for Google and your search engine optimization. So it's it's, an interesting landscape of how many different types of syndication there are. And I don't think people talk about and differentiate them enough. No, and uh, I, honestly, uh, I've only seen the two before. I've seen the paid part where it's more like on a tech target site or something like that, uh, and the one that's owned. So those are the two that I'm familiar with. Um, you've talked about earned uh, syndication, uh, uh, how this approach is better for SEO and authority. I was hoping you can explain a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. So the way that I tend to think about it is... Anybody in marketing who works in inbound and search, right? If you're getting any of your traffic or you're converting people through through Google and mm-hmm. through organic search, then the, there's two things you have to care about. You have to care about building authority with your audience. They have to consider you an expert in what you do for them to eventually convert. And you need to consider the authority from Google's perspective so that they'll rank you highly in the first place. So you need both of these things in order to see long-term sustained organic success. So this kind of approach, and people go about this in different ways. This is where a lot of like link building comes in because obviously Google and the way they decide to rank things is sort of a black box. They will never know exactly what percentage they use certain criteria to decide if a site is authoritative or not. But one thing that everybody seems to agree upon is that content, like what's on your site and the links that are pointing to your site are two major criteria for how Google is deciding how to rank you. So when you're earning, when you're earning content, like content pickups and you're earning links, that is signaling to Google that these publishers think that what you're doing is worthy enough to put on their own sites. Whereas if you're doing a paid uh, approach, and it's tagged as sponsored or it's like a no follow. That means that none of that kind of credibility is coming back to your site. That's the other side is basically saying like, oh, they paid for us to do this or, oh, we don't like like entirely trust what they're doing. So we're not going to send them, you know, like we're not going to vouch for them, essentially. So to do earned syndication is to get a lot more of that search benefits that you cannot get from paid syndication while simultaneously in doing so, you're creating content that's good that people will trust as well. So it has that dual benefit of somebody seeing that and saying, oh, this is a really interesting report or this yep. is really helpful or engaging, while also Google is uh, able to uh, see those signals and decide that your brand is authoritative. Yeah. Well, 
this is this is um I, I love this idea. This is great. Um this is kind of new and refreshing and 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 different. And uh could you kind of talk about how uh, this earned syndication has changed the traffic and the authority on stacker.com? Sure. And I think that this is the Moz post you're referring to. This, this yes. was a yeah, this an was, article I did for was Moz. An, yes. Yes. I, I, I read through that and I went, okay, I think I need to reread that a second time. After, <laughs> just after I finish this look, this, okay, this is a, a different approach. Yeah, it is. And it's, we realized it was easier. Like we could, we we have some client case studies on our site, but we realized that Stacker.com, which I mentioned, StackerMedia.com is like our kind of like our enterprise site, where which explains our entire company and all the different legs, of those parts of it. Stacker.com is the publication. So if you go to Stacker.com, you'll see all of our stories. And we realized we've never actively promoted these stories. Like we don't have an email list that goes to reader, you know, like, or, you know, we don't do like a lot of that stuff. I think we may have an email list that we send. So I take that back, but it's like 1% of our time. Uh, We have not invested heavily in marketing these stories. All of the traffic uh, that we got has happened naturally because of earned syndication that we do for our own stories. So separate from anything that we do for brands, our newsroom is putting these stories together and sending them to these publications who are then picking them up. And because of these signals that we're getting of these third-party publishers who are choosing again and again to republish our stories, we were grow- We just grew. I don't want to say accidentally because it was an accident. This model was something that we were really invested in to like a million organic visitors yeah. a month, which is wild when you're not I hadn't even gotten to the company yet I think by the time we hit that number I'm the only marketing person and I had not touched that as uh, something to be marketing and to see those numbers I was like people would want to know like if, if there's proof at all that this works to all of us we're like well it must because our site on its own organically built this kind of authority mm-hmm. simply because we were syndicating all of our stories as part of our baseline business model so it was fascinating. I think that's how we we didn't start working with brands like that came later when we realized that other people would want to partner with us in order to achieve the same kind of growth that we were seeing in doing it ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Um, could you explain how earned syndication can generate link authority back to the publisher's domain? I think that um, and just to see how, show how confused I was on my on my question, I have how paid syndication. No, it's how earned syndication <laughs> can generate that link authority back uh, to the publisher's domain uh, and, sure. and and generate the traffic. Yeah, so I can only speak for our version of this because other companies have done this if they really invested. Like Nerd Wallet is the classic example, right? Where they really invested in content syndication and saw an insane amount of growth. Uh, but you really have to invest. So for us, though, the way that we built our partnerships and the fact that we're giving these stories away for free is that the publishers that we work with, they provide a follow link back, whether it's to uh, it's usually to our brand partners if it's a studio story. So they cite the source. But it's also a canonical, which is kind of an area that hasn't been fully explored yet. You ask SEOs and they kind of have varying opinions, but we have seen tremendous uh, impact 
from canonicals, which for those who don't know what a canonical is in the code of a link or of, uh, of these placements, it'll basically say where the original version of that story was. It's for Google to understand if a piece of content is replicated, if it's republished, who the original source was. So in this case, if say SFGate republishes something our client did, SFGate's code will say, okay, this client is actually the original author of this piece and we chose to republish it. Yeah. On a, yeah. yeah, on a on yeah. a top level, it's like so interesting because it's basically how wouldn't that be an authority signal to say oh, that like oh oh it's it's absolutely authority signal. So I, I usually explain it by saying uh this is the page that we want to rank, right? So that's kind of the signal what it is. So from the brand who's publishing perspective is they're going to understand that they're not really going to rank for this. This is more about the experience on their own website for their users to read it who come to their site. They're not necessarily going to rank for it. You guys are going to rank for it, but the content is still there and it's relevant to that audience, right? Is that correct? Am I getting that? Yeah, that you're, yeah that's interesting that you brought this up because we get that question a lot where people... They want to rank for that piece of content that we created that and syndicated. But yes, it's not really the objective. Right. If you think about a content strategy, like each piece of content has a very specific objective or it should. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the way that we see it is we're trying to drive domain authority to your to your domain, to your site, to your brand. Right. And in this type of syndication, we get the links to like the the homepage of a client's site. And the canonical back to their story, but it's not to rank it because sometimes the publisher will still show up in rankings. You know, canonicals aren't right. perfect, but it's mostly to say, oh, this brand is producing content that's good enough for the Chicago Tribune to republish it. So what's going on with this brand? They must be doing some worthwhile stuff. And if your company's authority increases, that tends to uplift everything you're doing rather than focusing on just like one specific page. So I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on one thing right there just to um to clarify for our listeners. So when we are doing the canonical link, we're doing it to the inner page that the the original piece of content. However, uh, so could you explain the the home page mention that you were just talking about before? So that's just part of our model in particular, which is the link uh, mm-hmm. that is included in the story. We'll go back to the client's home page most of the time. Um, just so, the, to, so the canonical goes to the homepage, not to the, but the, wait a minute, the, the canonical the goes canonical. To, the, to your original piece of content on stacker.com, yes. but the do follow link goes back to the homepage of the brand site. Is that correct? Nearly. The okay. canonical, the canon, I know it's very confusing. The canonical actually goes back to the, it's originally published on our client site. Okay. It syndicates through us, but the canonical and the link both point to the client's website. It's just that the canonical is the specific article because, like I said, it's to show Google where the original version of the article is. Right. The link is to their homepage. Okay. But that that, that totally makes sense. So they're getting yeah. brand authority on their homepage. It's increasing their brand uh, from that do follow link, and it's increasing the 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 metric from whatever software you're using, Href or Moz or whatever, around yeah. the brand score because it's getting links back to their. But the canonical is also probably ranking the content on the post that was published on their site, and they're going to get more 
impressions, clicks, and click-through rate from that from Google, because that's going to also increase the ranking there. It is, isn't it? It's such a unique situation. Uh, this is this, uh, this brilliant, and you're doing this for brands, so I love that. Um, okay, so I'm going to pivot a little bit because that just just blew my mind right now that I'm <laughs> understanding what you're doing. Uh, uh, can you recommend a strategy for brands to start connecting uh, with third-party publishers and, so they can start doing earned uh, syndication? How would they do this? How would they start if they said, this is an amazing strategy, how can I do this? And let's think about a small business uh, who just wants to get more relevance uh, within a, 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 a their local market too. Yes, absolutely. There are so many answers to this question based on kind of like where you're at. But if we're talking about a small business, I think if you've never done this type of work before, when we talk about newsworthy content, mm -hmm. this, this could be a whole other conversation. But what I basically mean by that is we're not talking about your product or your service or like your company culture, because let's be honest, like nobody, no third party is going to run that and not think it's an ad. They're going to want you to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get syndicated or covered in any sort of way, you're trying to create content that speaks to the greater industry and it sheds some light on a common problem people have, or maybe it's like a really interesting data analysis of something that came out, something that's more top of the funnel, a little more tangential to what you do in your day to day. So let me ask you a question and see if that gives the right context. So if an S if somebody had an SEO agency uh, website, right, uh, but they noticed something that was happening different within search engine results, right, that touched the whole industry, the SEO industry, that might then fall underneath that umbrella. Is that correct? And they wrote yes. cont content around that. Yes, exactly. So it wouldn't be like, here's our product or here's how our service you know, we'll solve this problem for you. It's look at this industry trend. That's another great, like, that's a great right. example. An industry trend, some new insights, something that you're exactly right is appealing to a wider audience because we're talking about publications. They want a wide audience. They're not mm -hmm. trying to, or even like if they have, if they're a niche publication, they still want as many people as applicable to read their stuff. So if you have no idea where to begin there, my suggestion is think about where you want to be syndicated. If you're starting out, pick those niche sites that are in your industry that you know are authoritative, though, like places where you know that your customers or your clients are reading and how you can drive business. Like this is kind of a different approach. But when you're yeah, a so, smaller uh, business. So uh, an audience tool you could use would be like something like SparkToro to get insights as to like, where is that audience going? And then look at those websites that are there and then uh that would be kind of like where you'd want to focus is that correct 100 yeah and the thing is the, the additional research would be like seeing if they've ever syndicated content and the way that you can usually tell that is at the top where it would say like originally appeared on blank or you know that sort of a thing then you'll know oh they do accept syndicated content so that's kind of an extra step there now Again, if you're just starting out, it doesn't have to be fully syndicated. You can do more of like the digital PR type of route, which basically means you would need to present them with a reason to link to you and, and to your piece of content. Right. Um, but that, that's a whole other topic of conversation. But I think mostly you want to see like what publications in your industry, when you're just starting out, pick the ones that are like closest aligned to you and see what they're publishing. Like what kind of content do they like to publish? Because that is indicative of what their audience is like. 
and create that, it's much more likely for them to syndicate it if it's something that they already tend to publish, right? So it wouldn't hurt to reach out to them and ask them directly too, hey, do you syndicate content uh, for earned syndication, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it, like if you already created a piece of content, like for example, and you pitch one person, and you want to pitch other people, you know, like that. Oh, that's a that's a good question. Can you pitch multiple publishers with one piece of content? Oh yeah, I mean that's that's the beauty of this whole this whole model. Now, what you can't say is like this is exclusively for you, and then go and pitch it elsewhere. Right. Uh, you have to be upfront about it just like i thought this would be beneficial for your audience for and for real reasons don't phone it in because there's so many people doing all kinds of outreach if you're like me i get a million pitches a day for all kinds of things people want to post stuff on stacker.com like that's not even how that works you didn't even bother to look at how this works so don't don't be those people um but if you sincerely reached out you did your research and you genuinely think like you created a piece of content that you're sure their audience would be really interested in yeah, I mean, you certainly should pitch more than one publication. Um, they're getting the benefit of getting free content and, you know, not having to pay a writer to make it. And hopefully they're going to drive traffic to their own site and engage readers already on their site to promote other content that they have. So in any of these situations, it's supposed to be a mutual benefit. Nobody's right. going to do you a favor, right? So to make newsworthy content... Um... We hear a lot of times it's really uh, like, do you, what differentiates your newsworthy content, right? Do you have any data that supports it? Do you guys sometimes do surveys and things like that to get supporting data from specific audiences to really then provide that as extra oomph for the publishers? You certainly can. It is a tried and true method, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give a plug for those who have like well, virtually never done this before and really wants help without going like full large scale. Uh, Mantis research is a group that does kind of what you're saying. Like they'll do surveys or they'll run, uh, they'll try to put the studies together for you uh, at stacker. We don't, we haven't done surveys quite yet, but we focus on data. So to your point, you're basically trying to create, if you can, something new. You're trying to find a new insight mm-hmm. that can be found either from data, even data that's existed, but no one's analyzed in an interesting way. Or, or, like, or nobody's made that connection, right? That, that Yes. That's, that, that's important, right? There so. is so much free government data out there that just mm-hmm. sits there. <laughs> Uh, and hasn't been applied in in different ways. Like love it. That could be super interesting. Um, so anything like that, like if you have internal data, it could be fascinating to people. It really depends on on what sector you're in. If you have enough, that's that makes it you, uh, statistically significant. Do you also tend to say, okay, here's a national model, and here are localized models based upon that data that you get? Yes, yes. Uh, you're tapping okay. into you're tapping into the like what I consider one of the most underutilized strategies right. in this whole part of the industry, which is we, and we do this and see wild results. So because then you can get local p- pickups from different news stations and different publishers that say, Hey, this is great. And it's relevant to this local city, right? Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. So w- without me going on a huge tangent, my degree was in journalism. I never became a reporter, but one of the things they teach you are the news values. 
Right. Which I always think like marketers should just know. You should know the news values because it's applicable in so many different ways, especially if you invest in content marketing. But one of them is proximity because people care much more about what's happening near them than they do anywhere else. For better or for right. worse, that's just the human condition. Right. So if you're able to take that was literally a strategy people would use. It would be called localization, where you would take a national story, like you're saying, and you would localize it, which can mean anything from interviewing people in your own community to taking the data for a specific city and comparing it to the rest of the cities. Like, how does it rank? You know, where does it fall within your state? And we do this. We have a localization product where we'll run the national version of a story. So we'll say, like, the 10 best states, you know, for retirement like to retire and have as much money as you can and live a comfortable life. I'm just, you know, making this up the top of my head. I don't know if we've done that. (laughs) So say we've done the 10 best states for retirement based on a data set that we found about this or multiple data sets. We would run the 10 best states version. It would get picked up, let's say 200 times. And then we would tweak the headline and the intros for all 10 of those cities and re-push it out to those places with the new headline because they know that people are more likely to click on, you know, Texas is the number one state for X, Y, Z, than here are the top 10 cities. You know, they'll still click on top 10 cities, but they'll more more likely to click it if they know that their city's on that list, right? Right, right. So that has gotten, in some cases, double. It has doubled the number of pickups that we've gotten just taking that approach. And it's the same data set. It's the same analysis. And you're getting so much more value out of it. Love it. I love it. I actually uh, tripped into that one. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I get so excited about it. Like, yes, localize everything. People need to yes. localize. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you if, if um, so if a company was to start to do this, right, and they dedicated uh, some time and resources to this. Is there a, I don't know, is there a time frame they could start seeing um, results on what type of, you know, would happen first? Um, and I know it's based upon how much they invest in that, um, but what type of results would they start to see first? Would they start to see, you know, some more links coming into um, their homepage? Obviously, based upon this, your links to your homepage and canonical links to the, the page. So I would assume that they might start seeing some increases in their domain authority um, around their brand. And they, I would think that the metrics that they would want to have as a baseline when they're starting to do this is, well, what, since we published this, whatever the date, time frame is, what are the average impressions, the clicks and the click-through rate that we're getting? What's the average position that we have? Or are we track tr- tracking through this? Um, and, um, use that as a baseline. And then as they're starting to get more pickups, they should start hopefully seeing more impressions, um, more clicks and click through rate, which means they're getting more traffic organically to that. They'd also want to have a baseline of what their organic traffic, uh, all the traffic sources. Cause the question is, is it coming organic or is it more referral traffic, right? Mm. It's probably more referral traffic they're getting through the links. Um, so great not question. Sh- not sure, but great question. Be interested about the source. Yes. So this is the way that we typically approach it, and it won't necessarily apply to every approach to this, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said, if you're if you're just starting out and you're going for really niche publications, you'll probably see more referral traffic slash click through. You know, like 
mm-hmm. versions than you would with our approach, which is more like holistic. So the way we do it is, yes, we start with the links and the pickups first because right and i didn't i didn't didn't say that how many a baseline of how many referring domains and backlinks you have as well yeah yes so that's where we start because that's the first thing that happens is but even then google really the what the weight is google because things don't typically hit their full impact for a few months right so but we're able to see like we have the a team that make sure that we're tracking all the pickups that we've gotten and the links that we've gotten. So that's the first thing we report on. The second thing is domain rating or domain authority or whichever version of that metric you're looking at, which is to get a better sense of, is this reflecting on the overall site's authority in the eyes of search engines? So that would come next. And that's like probably around month three that we start tracking that. Right. uh, Because you really need, it needs to kind of like mature in the search engine results before it starts to, actually reflect in those numbers and then around month six is when you would start to see the organic traffic start to increase so it is an investment that i say investment not just for money but for time because any kind of inbound strategy anybody who works in seo has probably had to tell a version of the story many times where it's not that you don't see anything early you see the links you see the domain authority changes but you don't see the organic traffic changes until you've done this regularly for at least probably six months no I, I, um, I, I love this strategy I love this strategy and um uh, uh, it's it's kind of blowing me away but um just because uh, I don't see many businesses doing this type of strategy you know I see them syndicating across owned uh they don't do it um for earned sorry my <laughs> cat is jumping across things <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Very relatable. Mine is uh, so, passed out in the other room, but I've been there. So yeah, he just jumped off of something at all. So um, uh, anyway, so uh, and I totally lost my 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 uh, my train of thought where I was going with that because I'm just this this uh, process is really kind of uh, amazing. But um, I'm I'm sure I'm going to be hitting you up after after this interview, going, uh, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Um, but um, so. Could you kind of talk about, talk through for publishers or businesses, uh, what are the kind of the requirements that they need? Um, it sounds like they need a canonical link back to the original post and a do-fall link back to their homepage. Is, is that it on the content? Essentially. And, and, and getting the canonical is not going to be something you necessarily have to fight for because it's just kind of how these things work. <laughs> like they'll understand right. like, okay, the canonical is what's showing that you're syndicating it. Like this is how... I think the the link might be trickier. However, what's been interesting for us is that we haven't necessarily we don't have like a hundred percent confidence in which part of that is driving the most authority. Like there's right. a there's a world in which it's the canonical that's driving most of the authority. And right. that's what I mean by it's been not really studied. We're working on our own internal studies right now. We've seen we've done like client study for ourselves that have shown that the canonicals have made like a significant impact on growth, but the industry at large does not necessarily like bought into that, but we have really seen, and it kind of back to the previous point of how it just makes logical sense that if a uh, top publisher is choosing to republish in full something that you did, that that is saying something, (laughs) you know, not just a link, but like, Oh yeah, we're linking to this resource. We're actually republishing it, and we trust it so much. 
So that concept is really interesting to me. But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. I think that the canonical for sure, the link if you can get it, but mostly it's the canonical that makes it a syndication strategy. So the um, so question also, uh, are all these articles linked to the author bio, the person who, d- do you have a link in that? Does it say, or is it just that the fact that it links back to the primary one and the author bio is there or... Yeah, it, it'll depend. I think sometimes in our case, we work with all kinds. Like we have an internal, you know, writing team. We also work with freelancers sometimes, and we make sure that the person who wrote it gets the credit. So, a lot of the times, that will carry through to the republisher, and it will link to them. But I don't want to quote that. That's how everybody does. No, it. no, it's just it's a it's. I just you yeah, know, just I hadn't thought about that. That's another link that might be be getting um, some authority from that. So. Um, just really, really fascinating. Um, um, so I, I guess what I would want to say um, is, what do you recommend brands try to start doing this? And um, we, we've gotten the time frame, you know, three to six months for them to start going. But how should they try to, besides identifying the audience with a tool like SparkTor or something like that, of sites where they should go, where their audience actually lives? right? Uh, and sites. So what if we only have a certain amount of uh, sites there that would actually syndicate? Where should they go beyond that? Um, you know, how, how do they, how do they, how do they move beyond? The other thing I, I the, what I lost my train of thought was uh, I was just thinking about the relevancy of the, the audience and Google's going to pick up on Google entities from that saying, this is so much this is such a, a relevant business. It it ties back to the top of, of your website. So it will add more to your authority as well from that. So um, they're getting much better at that with uh, automation for sure. Yeah, um, no, that's, this industry is always fascinating how quickly everything's evolving, right? It's like, yeah, I feel like yeah. half the time we don't even know the full impact of things because. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, just in my mind's going in three or four different directions from this. This is just uh, of opportunities that it has. It's pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, I think that going back to your earlier question, it really just depends on like how much you're planning on investing in um, organic. Because the way that I, to really back up of like where this fits in with everything, the way that I and the way that Stacker kind of uh, suggests SEO strategies to be built is you have three pillars. You have your technical SEO on your site, right? You have your content your on-site content, and then you have your off-site SEO, which is what we're talking about today. So to me, how you want to approach this is going to depend on, is your technical SEO already sound and in line and being monitored? And is your on-site content completely up to snuff and converting people the way you want and driving traffic the way you want and ranking the way you want? Because it's the off-site that amplifies all of that. It's like you need the foundations. Yep, absolutely. So if you're like, Yes, I'm killing it in technical and content, and now it's time to amplify. That's when you really start investing in this type of strategy, and you'll see it lift up everything, all the other work that you've done. If you get, if you jump ahead, if you try to do this without doing the other pieces, you'll get the brand awareness. It's not going to be, you know, you're not going to right. suffer for it, but you're not going to get what you could out of it. So, so, to, so to that point, right? So, I, I think a lot of listeners would who, who um, might publish some might say, "Hey, this is a great strategy. We're going to do it." 
what is kind of the occurrences of content that they need? How often do they need to be doing this for this to work? Is this something where they're putting out five to 10 pieces per, per month? Will that work to publishers or can they do it with less if it's newsworthy? I I don't think you have to do a high volume. I think a lot of it comes down that's, to like, that's wonderful. Your, yeah, you're like, your company's, if we want to think we call it internally, like growth velocity. Like, so how quickly you want to scale. Some right. people are really high growth. They're like, we want to, you know, really go for this. And they'll probably do five to 10 a month. But right. we have a lot of clients that do one a month. And that, as long as you're, consi- I think consistency is right. the, the big piece here. Because so- if you do it once and you drop off, that's not really sending a signal that you're consistently doing anything of value. So you just made a mention of clients that are doing it with it uh, with you. Is there an opportunity for businesses to work with Stacker uh, or Stacker Media to be able to accomplish these goals? Oh, absolutely. I think that especially if you're interested, we work with long-term partners. So as I just mentioned, we don't believe in like the one-on-one and done situation, mm-hmm. mainly because you won't really see it impact your organic search. But um, if you're interested in this model, studio.stacker.com is our site. You can see exactly in more detail how this all works. Um, you can always email me directly. Um, even if you don't want to work with us, I'm happy to chat about any and all of these things. As you can tell, I can talk forever. Uh, my email is a milligan, M-I-L-L-I-G-A-N at stacker.com. Uh, feel free to reach out because we've worked with B2B, B2C, all all kinds of companies at different growth stages. I think mostly it's just like if you're willing to make that investment, if you believe in what we're doing, then it it could be super interesting. Like we have a lot of fun working with our brand partners. All right. Sounds fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm sure you're going to be getting a lot of contacts. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, we'd love to have you back on the show uh, to talk about this or other strategies uh, in the future. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Yeah, we'll have to talk newsworthy content next time. <laughs> all right. sounds That sounds like a perfect topic. So, all Awesome. Right. Well, thanks so much for having me. All right. Well, listen, you have a wonderful day. You too. Take care. Take care. Are you ready to break through to accelerate online business growth? Then join our email list at emjpodcast.com so we can keep you up to date with the latest strategies, tips, and tricks that you'll want to know. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. This is the EMJ Podcast with Matt Hepburn, and we'll see you next time.